Um, can we just open our Bibles quickly? Book of Isaiah, chapter 53. We are going to start from there today. If you remember something I said the other time, I explained that um, we read from Deuteronomy, chapter 4, that God told the people of Israel through Moses, when I showed up on the mountain to talk to you, did you see a form? They said no. You didn't see the form of anything, not a human being, not an animal, not a man, male, not a woman, female, nothing. All you heard was what? Words. words. You heard words. Therefore, he says, pay attention to words. Don't pay attention to images. Pay attention to words. Don't pay attention. Now, this is not to be critical, but to let Christians know what's important. Don't pay attention to anointing oil. Pay attention to what? Words. Don't pay attention to anything, you know, like handkerchief somebody gave you. Pay attention to words. Sometimes God does strange things through strange methods. I've said of a man, he got tired of ministry and he sat on a stone, a primitive area. It's all right, when I leave, people can sit on it after me. And they were sitting and they were getting healed. He left anointing behind. It happens. But you are not supposed to pay attention to the stone. You pay attention to words. Are you getting my point? Uh-huh. Don't pay attention to a man of God. You pay attention to words. God may use a man to deliver his words to you, but you don't pay attention to the person per se. You pay attention to words. Sometimes I've followed preachers that... Um, after a while, you start wondering what kind of weed began to grow in their backyard. Are you getting my point? So just ignore what the man is saying now. Just pay attention to the words that he spoke before. Yes, <laughs> it happens, it happens. But the point is that we're not focused on any other thing apart from the word of God. That is where he's packaged everything. That's it. It's not, it does, look, when he wanted to describe Jesus, he called him the word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. Everything is words. Everything is words. God doesn't reveal himself in any other way apart from words. It's who we speak, who we speak through. It's who he will speak through that he's often looking for. So we are supposed to pay attention to words. So Paul wrote to Timothy. He said, pay attention to reading. And when he was saying that, he was saying you should pay attention to the public reading. All right? And in our individual lives also, we must remember to pay attention to to reading, you no know, paying attention to the word. That's what Christians have done, they've not done enough of. They've paid a lot of attention to praying. And prayers have no effect except is an issuing forth of the word of God. That's what prayer is. It's just when God uses your mouth to say what he wants to say because he needs your authority to effect what he wants to do on the earth. Because he has given you authority. Everywhere you are in life, there's, a, there's an amount of authority that you hold. And if you are going to fulfill the purpose of God, all right, in that area, you have to use his words. That's the way it works, okay? So what we, what, what we began to do last time, and we're going to continue again today, is just to pay attention to words, all right? That is, there's nothing that we ever desire in life that he has not spoken about. There's no situation that has ever come upon us that he did not anticipate, and he has spoken a word about every situation. He has spoken a word about every situation. You now, this morning I called my son. Something is kind of up around in the house. So I said, all right, this is how we are going to solve it. I found a scripture that applies to your situation. Take it and recite it the whole day. <laughs> he said, okay, where is it? I told him. So he took it. I said, run with it for the whole day. That is how you will solve your problem. 
not waiting for me to call somebody or not call somebody. All right? If in the process I get to call somebody, that's the way the Lord did it. I get to call, fine. But the solution is what? Is where? In words. It's in the words that he has spoken. He said he sent his word and healed them. The word delivered them from their destruction. That is the way it works. Do you get my point? If you are going through stress now, go and settle down. There's one crucial prayer. Go and settle down and pray that prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. It's not, it's not a shop right bread or urban bread we are talking about. Or, 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 no. We are talking about the word for this season. There's a word for each season. As a matter of fact, there is a word for each season. So I want to, to us to continue where we began last time. Let's just read from Isaiah chapter 53. And we're not in a hurry. What, is, what did we come here to do? We wanted to watch football. I put on the TVs and they connected to satellite. Maybe the Bible we can read. The Lord is good. Come and read the Bible for us. Yes, you. You look like you. Don't you look like you to you? Uh, no, you can stay. You can stay there. Don't worry. You don't, uh, don't worry. Isaiah, which version are you using? NIV. Uh-huh. So you read it for us. All right. You read verse 1. We will read verse 2 until we get to the end of chapter 53. Occasionally, I will tell you to pause. All right? All right. One, two, let's go. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For, for he grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of past ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him. Appearance that we should be attracted to him. Verse 3. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Verse 4. Surely our griefs himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. Verse 8, by transgression and judgment, he was taken away. And for the as for generation who conceived that he was cut off out of the land, the living, for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due. Verse 9, he was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he will render himself as a guilt offering, he will cease offspring. He will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Verse 11. After he has suffered, he will see the light of, of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many. And he will bear their iniquities. Twelve. Therefore, I will allow him a portion with the great, and they will divide the booty with the strong, because he poured out himself to death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sin of many, 
I interceded for the transgressors. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Uh, thank you very much. We are going to continue um, in a moment in the next um, chapter, but let's just um, go over this again briefly. Why we read all of this is to just point out the meaning of sacrifice, what a sacrifice is. Now, every sacrifice that you've seen in this earth, animal sacrifice, they sacrifice um, a goat, sacrifice um, oxen, they sacrifice turtle doves, and stuff like that. You still see them. Do you see them in Enugu much? Go, in Benin, you find a lot of it at night. Yes. Go to junctions, you still find them. And there are still funny churches that locate themselves near streams and junctions, and they still offer sacrifices. Now, sacrifices in themselves are good. Now, some people may not like big English, but let me just try it. It's just that they are anachronistic. All right? You know what's anachronism? Uh, many of us know what it means. They are, they are out of date. That's it. That's it. Okay? That's just what it means. They are out of date. They are out of sync with the season. They are out of sync with the season. Ever since Jesus came, all those sacrifices became null and void and of no effect. You know, for people who have never heard of the Lord Jesus, who, have ne- who are not aware he had come, you understand? If you get to their societies, those sacrifices are still appropriate. Why? Because they did not know. I mean, the thing they were looking forward to had already come. Those sacrifices, they are, they are shadow. They are something to foreshow, you know, to foreshadow what was going to happen later. The moment Jesus came, he fulfilled it. The moment Jesus came, he fulfilled it. Therefore, you and I don't have to offer any blood sacrifice anymore. We don't do anything as a sacrifice. Let's go and sacrifice. Those, all the sacrifices have now been fulfilled in Christ Jesus. And what you do as an individual for yourself is periodically read this thing. Do you understand? If you see villagers gathering, it says New Year Festival, and they're gathering goods to kill. You kill Isaiah chapter 53. <laughs> yeah, you get my point? Yeah, kill your own Isaiah chapter 53. Okay, you just read it, and when you are reading it, you realize that these are the sacrifices offered for your redemption. Everything we saw in there, it is clear. Like we did last time, when, we, when you are reading such things, you get to the, some point, you should say amen. For example... He said, yes, it was my weakness that he carried. Verse 4 now. All right. He said, surely our griefs he himself bore. Somebody say amen. Amen. And our sorrows he carried. Amen. Say amen like you believe it now. Amen. He said he was pierced through for my transgressions. Read it in your own way. No, don't say amen now. Read it. He was pierced through for my transgressions. That's what I mean. He was crushed for my iniquities. Read it. Now read the next line. The chastening for my well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging I am healed. That's the way it is. These are personal things. Are you getting my point? Anytime you think of, you know, when people talk about forgiveness of sins, remember, God has to forgive. He has to forgive sins. Do you know why? Jesus has already paid. And how do we know? It is written clearly. This is actually one of the most um, well-known scriptures talk somewhere in the middle of the Bible. It's about the Lord Jesus, and it's an end to every sacrifice. Let me just say it again. If somebody says, offer a sacrifice for this, tell the person it's not necessary. Did Jesus not pay enough? I don't know whether you're getting my point. Tell the person it's not necessary, unless Jesus did not pay enough. 
the one I've repeated here, like a joke. Somebody say you offer a sacrifice for the sin of three generations. And those sacrifices usually is what? Money. Let me just inform you again. Money is not a sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice. Sacrifices were blood offerings. Do you understand my point? That's what they sacrifice. You could offer anything you like, but when you're talking about the word sacrifice, they are to shed blood. So money is not a sacrifice. Money is the way by which we express and transfer our love. That's what it is. Okay? If I love you and you are hungry, like I shouldn't pray for you if I have money. My prayer is ineffective. My prayer will work if you had a kind of, um, let's say, you had a kind of trouble I couldn't help you with. My prayer will work. But if I have money to solve your problem, the Bible forbids me from praying. I cannot lay my hands on you and say that your hunger will go. I can't prophesy that thus says the Lord. By this time tomorrow, you will be full. All my prophecies will not work. What do I do? I bring out money and I solve that problem. It's not a sacrifice. It's a show of love. You are getting my point. Now, but when somebody is not telling you that uh, you are supposed to offer a sacrifice for, the, for something, let the person know that it is anachronistic, you know? Yes, it's called anachronism. It's English language. You should learn some English in case you don't know that one before. The thing is a throwback, you know? Just a, ah, well, it's, it, which century do you think we are living in? You want me to remove 2,100 years from my calendar so I can go be back to the time before the Lord Jesus. That is when you can tell me that. When before the gospel came, people would say there's a problem in this community. What do we do? We we'll sacrifice goods. Sometimes it's not working. They sacrifice a slave. Yeah, they, they, they used to do that. They sacrifice a whole human being. That's the reason. That's the reason. It was necessary. Let me let me understand something. It was necessary. You know, some people now make it look like you see uh, those are the days of blindness. Is a lie. Others will telling you days of blindness. Some of them at night, if you know what they're sacrificing. Listen, on the surface, they are billionaires. You know, they are speaking English, they are tech, they are in Silicon Valley, and you'll see them wearing jeans and T-shirts and launch the next iPhone, iPhone 8. Those boys, don't follow human beings, though. They are very wicked. At night, when you, if, you find, if, you, if you find out what boys are sacrificing, you will know they are white men. I, I know what I'm telling you. Go and read the story of the burning man. They, say, they have this uh, festival. People make it look like just a normal festival. These are places where boys go and cook up serious things. Now come and look as if, uh, you know, it's just tech, it's just tech. Tech is just tech. Don't be stupid, my friend. Boys, hey, <laughs> Boys, are you born the joint call, though? I think it's a joke. <laughs> the Lord is good. Those sacrifices, they were necessary. It wasn't because of blindness. Some people sacrifice things. Why we stop? We have stopped. It's not because we think that we have gone to school. <laughs> oh boy, go school, no go school. When we show you Pepe, <laughs> trust me. And you look, you will find that your professor is a senior witch. <laughs> you, are, you are there in class saying that you know according to Plato's theory, the guy teaching you for night, the guy will go behind, bring out something, <laughs> begin whisper. You see him chop off professionally the head of a cock. Based with the blood. Then come the next day to class and be teaching you Pythagoras theorem. Is a lie. The boys know what. And let's leave that in. The Lord is good. The reason why we don't do such is not because we went to school. It's because we have believed in the Lord Jesus and we have realized those things are what? Unnecessary. They are old fashioned. The things they typed, all right, that thing has already come. 
and that is the blood of Jesus. So when we are reading, what we are doing is reenacting our sacrifice again. When Jesus showed them the, um, when he showed the disciples uh, the the mystery of the communion table, he was told them it was to reenact this particular thing. That is one form he gave us. Just to, he said, when you do these things, what do you do? You are reminding yourselves. You know, this is how you remember me. This is to remember. It's not to do anything new. It's to call to remembrance what he has done for us in Christ Jesus. So let's just say amen again to a few things, all right? Anything we find inside there is for our sake. If you believe that, give me an amen. Amen. Let's just back up. Okay, that's in the, um, okay, verse 4. So again, I declare, your grief he has borne. Amen. He took away your griefs. Amen. Your sorrows have been carried. Amen. It was pierced through for your transgressions. Amen. Therefore, you are forgiven in the name of Jesus. Amen. He was crushed for your iniquities. Amen. Therefore, you are forgiven in the name of Jesus. Amen. The chastening for your total well-being fell upon him. Amen. And by his scourging, you are healed. Amen. I want to begin to give thanks and claim all of this in one by one. Saying, in the name of Jesus, I have been forgiven. Read, read those scriptures out to, your, to yourself. Open, your, open it. He was pierced through for my transgressions. For my transgressions, he was crushed for my iniquities. The chastening for my total well-being fell upon him. By the stripes of Jesus, by the scourging of Jesus, I am healed. Declare it again that I am healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. If there's any part of your body that's afflicting you, it's time to speak to the affliction. Be gone in the name of Jesus. I speak to my eyes. Be clear in the name of Jesus. I speak to my brain. Be healed in the name of Jesus. I speak to my neck, my jaw, my teeth, my stomach, my throat, my skin, every part of me, every joint in my body, the pain that keeps me up at night, I speak to it by the word of God. I say by the stripes of Jesus, I have been healed. By the scourging of Jesus, I have been healed. Say every stroke that was due to me, he said in verse 8, he has taken it. Every stroke due to me. The transgression that I committed, the stroke was due to me because of it. He has carried it away. Say, in the name of Jesus, I have been set free by the sacrifice of Jesus. Say, the devil cannot hold me. His agents can't hold me. That's how Christians pray. Not chasing which is about. <laughs> That's how Christians pray. <laughs> Say, Jesus has been rendered a guilt offering for me. He has been rendered a guilt offering for me. I am the result of the anguish of his soul. That is, he's looking at me and he's glad. He sees that I've been cleansed. Every curse in my life has been broken. The curse of Noah has been broken in my life. You know, I've, I've thought about that again and again. It's important Christians realize it. The curse of Noah has been broken in my life. That's what prayer is for believers. See, every curse has been broken. Every curse has been broken. Every curse has been broken. 
out of my life. Every curse has been broken. What is the curse of Noah? That is the generational curse that covers a whole country, covers a whole continent. So that black people are always running off to Europe to go to looking for prosperity, always running to North America looking for prosperity. Say that curse has been broken. I am not a slave anymore. 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 Say in the name of Jesus, I can prosper anywhere. I can do well anywhere. Wherever I am, it is well with me. The Lord will cause prosperity to flow towards that place like a river. He will cause the wealth of the nations to flow to me like an overflowing stream. Why? Because the curses in my life, they've been broken. The curse of Noah has been broken. Ancestral curses have been broken by the power of the sacrifice of Jesus. Say, Jesus was lifted up because of me. Everything he went through was for my sake. Because of him, I am clean. Because of him, I am washed. Because of him, I am forgiven. Because of him, I am renewed. Because of him, I am blessed. Declare, say, I am blessed because of the Lord Jesus. I am blessed because of the Lord Jesus. Say, <laughs> so he has interceded for me as a transgressor. Therefore, I am forgiven. That's, that's in verse uh, 12. <laughs> He has borne away the sin of many. That's, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Yes, no matter what it is, please let nobody, let nobody tell you that uh, God can forgive you, but the consequences remain. Say consequences will go to. That's the full forgiveness. He's able to save to the uttermost. He saves to the uttermost. Let nobody dash me the consequences of the sins for which I've been forgiven. No, I refuse them. Say, Jesus, you are able to save to the uttermost. To anyone who draws near to God through you. Say, I draw near to the Father. And I receive total deliverance. I receive total deliverance. Total forgiveness. For, for, for every consequence of sin. The sins of my childhood. The sins of my adolescence. I receive total forgiveness. I receive total renewal. Because he's able to save to the uttermost. Jesus is able to save to the uttermost. He doesn't save partially. Nobody should weaken my faith by saying that uh, he can forgive. But the consequences remain. No. He washes clean totally. That is what he does. That is the power of the blood of Jesus. And I claim that power. It's working in my life. I claim that power. It's working in my life. I claim that power is working in my life. Say, Satan has nowhere to hold on to. He always needs a place to hold. He can't just afflict people like that. He always needs a place to hold. Sin is what he holds. So when Jesus delivers us from the kingdom of darkness... He removes the thing that Satan can hold. Say it like Jesus. The prince of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. All his agents are coming, they have nothing in me. All the so-called altars are raised up, they have nothing in me. 
Every Balaam that rises has no choice but to prophesy that the Lord has not beheld any iniquity in me. That's what he said. The Lord has not beheld any iniquity in Jacob. Not because Jacob did not sin, but because he was washed. Say, I have been washed. So there is no enchantment that works against me because I'm being washed. No divination against Israel because I have been washed. So no divination against me. I hear it all the time. It's all over town. Altar versus altar. Which altar versus what? Raise up the altars. Balaam raised his altars. Seven altars. Seven bulls. Seven goats. What happens? Nothing. Why? Because I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. I'm not rising up at night to raise any altar versus any altar. My altars are not versus altars. My altars are raised up to the Lord. My hands are hands of they are the altars of God. I raise my hands in praise. My mouth is the altar of God. I raise my mouth, open my mouth in praise to Him. It's to Him. I don't have time for anybody else's altar. In case you, something has been disturbing your sleep, is cured in the name of Jesus. Yeah, but by, by reason of this fact, this is how you become free. You know the truth and it sets you free. Fear is gone out of your life. Be, continue to declare it. Father, we give you thanks. In the name of Jesus, we are prayed. Let's down for a moment while we read the second portion. I want us to, let me just say something briefly on how to relate with the so-called Old Testament prophecies. There's something that Paul wrote to the Romans concerning the gospel. So I want us to understand it. That's Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Paul, a born servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. Let me just stop there. Now, Paul was introducing himself, as you can see, but what I want to bring out is that Paul showed, he emphasized that his gospel was promised beforehand through his prophets. It's important we understand that. It's important we understand that he said that the gospel was promised beforehand through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Now, when you read the word Holy Scriptures, now I'm going to tell you one that is very accurate, the one you can throw away if you like. Are you getting my point? Now, when Paul said Holy Scriptures there, of course we know he wasn't talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The book of Acts at this point had not been written. Okay? Definitely, he was just writing the book of Romans. Okay? His letters did not constitute to him 
scriptures. He didn't consider his letters scriptures. So he wasn't talking at all about what you and I call the New Testament. And secondly, he used the word beforehand. So notice the word, the gospel. Do you notice that? The gospel was promised beforehand. The gospel was first preached by the prophets. It was not first preached by Paul, Peter, James, and Co. No. Now, you know, those days, initially we learned, you know, we, those early days when we were learning the word of faith, or university those days, they used to say to us that um, um, the New Testament was written to the Christians and the Old Testament to Jews, so that you should spend more time reading the New Testament. Blessed be that day that I walked into Covenant Christian Center in Lagos. And Pastor Paul, you read that scriptures to us, this particular verse, and said, what was Paul talking about? <laughs> that was the day he hit me, that that theory we held in our heads for a long time could not be true. Paul took the Bible. He, the Bible Paul knew was Genesis down to Malachi. What I've told is a matter of fact, not debatable. You can't say you don't agree. If you don't agree, you don't know anything. I am correct in this one. Well, if you, I mean, if you don't agree, you are stubborn. <laughs> I saw one joke recently. I don't know how many of you saw it. They said, is it a thousand men will die this year from stubbornness? And, somebody, and one of the men wrote, no, we will not die. <laughs> <laughs> stubborn people. A lot is good. <laughs> now, now, that's one. But the second thing I want to just say, this one I said is debatable. You can throw it away. It doesn't matter. Now, when it says the Holy Scriptures, you know, different societies those days also had Holy Scriptures. Now, this is not important. I'm just wanted to, I want to just drop something. Because I have a book titled The Spirits of Mindoro. All right? And many ancient writings existed. They're not written for you or for me. The ones written for all of us is the one that the Jews held. Okay? Now, but many of them, they also expected a Messiah. That's what I'm trying to explain. Many of them also expected a Messiah. It was not only the Jews that expected a Messiah. Everybody knew he was in bondage. Oh, everybody knew he was in bondage. Everybody. And everybody that ever offered a sacrifice of any sort was expecting a Messiah. Everybody. They may not have had the details. And God didn't bother giving many of them details. But you see, there were many people those days also that did a lot of meditations and who God communicated with, and but did not compile their writings for us to read today. So they had a lot of ancient scriptures then that also told the people to expect Jesus Christ. I don't know whether you're following my point. That's why the day he was born, some men knew the star had come, and they came looking for him, and they were not Jews. <laughs> Do you get my point? I have a good friend, not personal friend anyway, just I listen to his messages. Sadhu Salvaraj, he said <laughs> at least one of those men was an Indian. He claims, he claims. If you read his book, The Maharishi of Mount Kailash, it's inside there. Interesting book. Don't bother looking for it. Just an interesting book. <laughs> I read it and I said, hmm, now wow. If I hear Akele will tell you that there was a time he said that one of those men returned when Jesus was older to come and look for Jesus. And when he came, he met Jesus, bowed down and worshipped. And Jesus blessed him and impacted a gift into his life. And the man left and began to do signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. 
And the disciples saw him and went and reported to Jesus. That one is in our Bible. That there is one man somewhere. He is not of us, but he is working things in your name. What is going on here? They were, he claimed, I'm not saying this. I, I'm not dead. I don't know who go. I'm just telling you <laughs> something that somebody said. That that man came. He was one of those who came to present gifts to him when he was a baby. So when he came back, he came and worshipped him, and Jesus blessed him. Now the man had left, he had left the region of Israel at that time and went back to his native India. And that was the first person that took the, the gospel of Jesus to India before Thomas came later to come and do the work. And the work of Thomas exists till today. And they can show you the tomb of St. Thomas in India there. That, that, one, that, one, that, one, that other part is known fact. All right? We get to India, they show, oh, Thomas, the disciple of Jesus, this was where we buried him after they, they, they killed him. All right? Now, like I said, that's just an aside. Talking about the Holy Scriptures. So, now, the, but the one where we know specifically Paul is referring to here is the, what you and I today call the law and the prophets. I generally don't use the expression the Old Testament for it because it, conf- it confuses Christians. They wrongly interpreted it and called it the Old Testament. And when they say the Old Testament, they say he took away the first to establish the second. The book of Hebrews tells us they think it has been taken away and the New Testament used to replace it. No. When Hebrews was speaking about that, he was talking about the Old Covenant that was made with Israel on Mount Sinai. That one was wiped away, ended at a particular point. It zeroed. It was zeroed. It's, it's gone. Do you get my point? Uh-huh. Now, but so when you're talking about the Old Testament, it wasn't talking about Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, all the way down to Malachi. No, the Bible calls those ones the law and the prophets. Emphasis for me today, prophets. The law and the prophets. So you see, the gospel was first preached through those prophets. Now, I've heard, I've, I've heard teachings that explained how everything you find inside there was written for the Jews. So this promise is about Jerusalem. This promise is about the Jews. Even though the, the Jews, this one is about Jerusalem. This one is about Israel. The Israel in that one, fighting Palestinians every day. People fight me that I don't like Jews. Do I look like I don't like anybody? I like everybody. You are a witness. Yes, I like everybody. I just don't like when Christians take things of Christ and misinterpret them. Like I say, God loves the Jews. Somebody say amen. amen. God loves the Gentiles. Somebody say amen. amen. And God loves both of them equally. If you believe that, say amen. amen. And he manifested his love to both of them by sending his only begotten son to die for Jews and Gentiles. And in him, he broke down the wall of partitioning. So once you come into him, he doesn't know who is a Jew, who is a Gentile. There's one preacher coming to Enugu now. And then what upsets people on my behalf? When they say, the brother of Jesus is coming. I say, are you stupid? Who am I? <laughs> you know when I hear that kind of thing, what kind of joke is this? You hear the advert on, advert on radio? Say, the brother of Jesus is coming to town. Even James, who wrote the book of James, who was a literal son of Mary, cannot come to me and tell me he's the brother of Jesus. I said, brother, shift. If you not read your Bible, confess the word. You are behind my back. Is who reads this Bible more, obeys the word more, and confesses the scriptures, aligns his life with that of the Lord Jesus, his brother. Who, who, who do you think you are? 
That first time you came, did he not deny you? James joined them. You know, James, you know he was not one of his followers when he was alive. And before his resurrection. He followed Mary and came and said, come and bring our brother out. He don't decrease. He was amongst them. That's what they said. They said he's besides himself. So they wanted to come and take him back to the psychiatrist. So when Jesus was preaching, they wanted to lure him out and tie him. <laughs> Read your Bible. They came to him. They said, your mother and your brothers. James, one of them. They said, they're outside looking for you. What did he say? Who's my mother? Who are my brethren? He said, with people sitting out like this, you are still looking for one mother outside? He said, those who pay attention to the things I'm saying, those who hear my word, alright, and then obey those words. The same is my brother, he said. The same is my mother. The same is my sister. So, James, thank you. Me and you, the same level. Our brotherhood is not about one long Biafran connection to Judaism. <laughs> Are you getting my point? It is who's obeying the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. Alright, please, let's get that. No, it's very, very important we get that point clear. You know, whenever I take the scripture, sometimes I just wonder that. Please, don't take it away from Christ. It's very annoying. It's very, very annoying. When Jesus appears, he expects to see Jews and Palestinians. Both of them. Arabs. Africans. Chinese people, white people, African people, you know, black people, everybody, equal as far as he's concerned. Now, please, you see what, you know, we're still reading. I just wanted to explain something to us for us to bear it in mind. So this gospel was preached by the prophets. The Bible tells us clearly the prophets did not understand what they were saying. They wanted to look into those things, but it was told to them that these things do not belong to your time. You are getting the point here. So I've heard people say before that this belongs to this, belongs to that. It's not true. I'm just going to give you a few scriptures to let you know that, as a matter of fact, the Bible, the, the law, and the prophets cannot be interpreted except you interpret them through Christ. Please, I need to emphasize that again. There is no line of scripture there you will read that has any true and genuine meaning if Christ is not incorporated. 